this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, one and all. This is Chance Solon Pfeiffer. I am co-host of Be Real on the Playlist Podcast Network. I'm here today with a director interview for you. But first, real quick, the Playlist Podcast Network is, of course, available anywhere you get your podcasts, whether that be iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or elsewhere. And be sure to check out all the other wonderful uh, content here on this very network. There are interviews with uh, Peter Jackson and Hugo Weaving that just went up earlier this week. I, today, am talking to Nadine Lebecki, a Lebanese filmmaker and the director of the new film Capernaum, which is getting released in the U.S. this month, later this month, this December. Um, Capernaum is the story of a 12-year-old boy named Zane and a portrait of his very difficult life in the slums of Beirut. He's a victim of neglect and child abuse and is... In a lot of ways, his family's main caretaker, as his mother and father are um, well, very difficult people to watch and uh, in some ways empathize with. But also the movie makes very clear that they are at the mercy of, of a system of undocumented people um, in the Middle East and around the world right now where it's impossible to build a community and get social services and lay the groundwork for uh, a healthy a healthy life. So basically we're following around Zane, who is a very um, ingenious, very tough, very traumatized child as he tries to take care of his own family and also becomes part of, of, of this different family, a, a woman, another undocumented immigrant uh, named Raheel. But this is a movie that touches on uh, the current state of the Syrian refugee crisis, on the current state of abject poverty in giant metropolitan spaces all over the place, uh, the current state of immigration, um, and just how it takes such a toll on families and children in particular. It is a difficult movie. It is a very stark movie. Um, it is neorealist almost to an extreme. Uh, you'll hear me talk to Nadine about how a lot of these a lot of these actors were living or were very close to living the lives that you see depicted in the movie. Um, the actress who plays Rahil was even uh, arrested by Lebanese immigration during the making of the movie, which is also what happens in the movie. Um, you could say life imitates art there, but they were, they're very, very close to begin with. Um, so yeah, let's get into the conversation. I called uh, Nadine in New York just a little earlier this week, and we talked about how this film really stands out in her filmography, we talked about uh, why these non-actors wanted to share their stories with her, and so much more. Let's hear from Nadine. Since you have a cast on Capernaum of uh, real folks, most of whom haven't acted before, what do they make of like 
this part of the process of like press and awards and that kind of thing? Because some of their lives have also changed a lot since you filmed, right? Zane is uh, in Norway now. Um, uh, Treasure, who's actually Jonas in the film, is in Kenya now. The kids are not on the streets anymore. Um, so it's like, yeah, there's a different... Uh, somehow a change in their lives, obviously. Uh, the only one who's been very exposed to press and all that was really Zane, who's, you know, the, the main right. actor of the film. And he's been uh, traveling with me uh, a lot. He, he came to the States. He, he, he did the whole U.S. tour with me. Um, he's, you know, he's reacting very well to it. He's having fun, actually. He doesn't take it very seriously. He's okay, a, that's good. Yeah, he's a wild child, so he's not. He doesn't really know um, uh, anyone in the business. He's not impressed by anyone. Uh, he's not impressed by celebrities or stars. I mean, uh, you should see him when we went to the governor's ball. He was, you know, just making fun of everyone, just playing around <laughs> with everyone, and just playing with the dresses. And you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't. Yeah. He's not. He's not impressed by all this. So it sounds kind of refreshing. Yeah, it makes it it makes it very refreshing and very. Um, I mean, it's a different perspective. It puts things things actually into perspective and makes it less. Uh, for me, less about le less superficial in a way. I don't know. It's um, yeah, I love watching him in this whole adventure. So I from from watching the film and from reading about it, I totally understand why you wanted to work with non-actors and people who were kind of living out their reality in the course of making this movie. What sense did you get of why they wanted to work with you? Why, why did they want to be in this movie? I think they slowly understood the mission that they have. The mission, you know, apart from the fact that in Lebanon I am famous and so they were excited, you know, just working yeah. with me in a film. But... Uh, apart from that, of course, that is the first, you know, superficial kind of reaction that they have is like, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to be in the next Nadine Lebaki film. It's like they're, they're excited about it. But right. apart from that, they start understanding the mission that they have while doing the, this film because, and this is, I think that they started understanding slowly through the process. Because, of course, in the beginning, you know, they're more excited than anything else. And then slowly they started understanding that they were actually becoming the voice of, you know, those voiceless people that they are representing. And this really gave them wings in a way. And they started collaborating almost in this whole process they they they're part of this mission and they're very proud to be part of it and 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 that's why they're so real and they're so amazing in the film because at some point you know they've completely forgot that they were in a film they were almost expressing their own struggle and their own and it was their chance you know a few weeks before or a few days before they were on the set these people were actually struggling to even prove that they exist because most of them are not only psychologically non-existent, but even legally non-existent. Most of them don't have papers. So all of a sudden they are in a film and they are expressing that same struggle, but this time somebody's listening. It's like this time what they have to say is important. And whatever struggle they are going through is important for somebody. And, and it's actually 
the whole film is built around it. So, so this it's a completely different, I think, uh, uh, I think awakening in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it, it it was very very helpful for me and for them and for everyone. Yeah. In getting to that place where you with the camera could be more or less invisible and they could more or less just be themselves. Were there sort of like early learning experiences where you told them like, oh, you don't have to overact or else you found yourself doing something where you're like, oh, I'm in the way here. How did you find your way to that kind of ideal place? Because I know you shot for a long time too. Yes, we shot for six months. Um, Yeah, obviously I think, uh, I don't know if there was at one point an awakening of that uh, of that nature. I, I don't know, but uh, uh, instinctively I knew that, that that was the way to do it from the start. I knew yeah. that uh, on the contrary, everybody was very comfortable very quickly. I just remember one day where it was a little bit difficult with Suad and Selim, Zayn's uh, parents. And I remember that the first day we shot, I came back home and, you know, I was wondering what did I do? Did I make the right choice? Because it was obviously their first day and they were a little bit scared. They, you know, didn't really understand what was asked from them. And then, I don't know, the second day, but when you have faith and when you just sit with them and say, I believe in you, I believe that what you have to say, who you are, is important. I don't want you to be anyone else. I want you to just be you because who you are is important to me. And that's it. The next day was a complete miracle. I just remember it until now. I remember very well how, for me, it was like I I couldn't believe my eyes the next day. You know, there was I had a, a very difficult scene to shoot with 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 Fadi, the the, the Selim, uh, Zayn's father in the film, and he was like a revelation. He was a completely different person all of a sudden, because he felt that he didn't have to act; he just had to be himself. Mm-hmm. And what and who he is is important. Who he is is amazing. And that, yeah. this is it. That's it. It's just give them the revelation was just to give them this this confidence, just to be be who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. Obviously, there's a great stylistic difference between this and some of your previous films, um, but there's also I was thinking a, a real thematic difference. I mean, Caramel and Where Do We Go Now kind of hinge on these on communities and what people uh, can do for each other. And this film seems so much about isolation and still like what people can do for each other, but almost like when the ground is not there to even like form healthy communities. Were you reacting at all to like the themes of your own work when you were thinking about this movie? No, I think I was just being, uh, in a way, being just reactive to what was happening around me. I mean, this is what I was feeling. That was the pessimism I was in. And I'm still in, you know, this is something that you see all around you. And what's happening is like a complete, we live in a complete Capernaum and a complete chaos. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's it. I was just, I was just reflecting what was happening. And it was all based on, you know, the research that we've done, the fact that 
everything in the film is based on something we've seen or a scene that we've seen or a situation that we've seen. So it's only the reflection of reality, really. You know, Caramel and Where Do We Go Now were more imagined in a way. It was more yeah. a film that I had imagined, a fantasy that I had fantasized. This film mm. is very much based on reality, and that's what I wanted to do, this research so much to the point that I am non-existent anymore as a filmmaker. I'm just being the vehicle to just reflect what was happening in reality. This is what I wanted to do this time. Yeah. Yeah. One of the first things I'd noticed watching the movie was it's probably 20 or 30 minutes before you see Zane sit still. I mean, he's just moving everywhere with his friends, working, helping his family, doing. How did you, did that come across in like, the editing when you were putting together everything you had, there's just this great sense of like discontent early on. Cause he, he never like stops. He never slows down in the opening parts. It's, um, I, you know, when I'm do when I do certain things, I don't really think about them that thoroughly. And, and I start analyzing them when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm discussing it with a journalist or with somebody who's analyzing the film and I start understanding what I was doing. It was actually it because this is reality. This is how, this is how it is. Those kids don't stop because life puts them in the situation of working, of, you know, trying to feed the family, uh, not stopping at one more, at, at any moment, having to, you know, to, um, um, uh, having to outsmart life, outsmart people, outsmart wow. adults to survive, do this and that. Uh, yes, they don't stop. They never stop. And it's actually a refle- uh, an unconscious reflection of what, really happens and Mm -hmm. and it's something that obviously of course you find in the edit but you don't know why you find them in the edit and it's actually a reflection of reality sometimes you do things without knowing why you do them and then you start making sense later and and it's like the pieces of the puzzle that come together and they say of course going off what you said about the the intelligence and the ingenuity of children, which is a big theme in this movie. I wanted to ask about a few specific things that felt too real to have been invented. Um, the sort of propping where they can watch the neighbor's TV with a mirror that Zane and Jonas do. Did that come from somewhere in the real world? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, we found one. <laughs> no, that, that was, yeah, that was, fa- that was a, uh, yeah. So sort of a, yeah, and invented in a way because, um, but it was really invented, but based on the reality of the ingenuity of of those kids. For me, right. Zane would have definitely come up with a, an idea like that. Sure. Was there something else um, that like that you've kind of like found from Zane being like, oh, this is something we would do in our in my normal life that yeah, you included. I think- the 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 fact that he invented this this uh, engine for him to put Jonas in so he can right yeah obviously this is also completely invented but this is something that uh, in I think Zane would have definitely done knowing him mm-hmm. and knowing you know his resourcefulness and his uh, I I am sure he would have come up with a with an idea like that I wanted to unpack a specific 
scene um, that I think might be lost on non-Arabic speakers where he's practicing a Syrian accent. Um, In the movie, he's playing a Lebanese boy, but Zane himself came from Syria, right? Yes. So um, is he... Which which one is his real accent? How what was that scene like to film in real life? Zane is because Zane is um, is a, in real life he's a Syrian refugee, so he's been right. living in Lebanon for the past eight years, eight years. So he arrived to Lebanon. He was maybe three or four four years old. So he grew up in Lebanon, and obviously when he's speaking to Lebanese people, he's speaking Lebanese. But when he's yeah. speaking to his parents, he's speaking Syrian. So Zayn has both accents in, in his real life. But for mm. the film, he was speaking Lebanese, right? During yeah. the whole film, he's speaking Lebanese. But at the moment where he's doing that Syrian accent, he's actually imitating a Syrian accent. But he knows it, you know, because he's Syrian, he knows it so well, and it comes up very natural. It comes out very yeah. naturally, yeah. I was wondering, because, there, I mean, there's a moment where he... In the take, it seems like he's struggling. He's just pretending to struggle with something that he's actually very good at. He's very good at it. Yeah. yeah, that's why he's so good in that scene. <laughs> I was so lucky, you know. I'm so so lucky on so many different levels with with Zane, with everyone, with Jonas, with every one of those actors. It's like sometimes, you know, I don't know. Capernaum means, you know, Capernaum means chaos and miracles, and mm-hmm. this whole adventure was, you know, chaos and miracles the whole time. And I truly believe that it was a miracle. Every single uh, character was a miracle, how we found them, how they ended up being in the film, uh, how their own story is almost the story that they are living in the film. And, and things that would happen, I don't know if you know that Rahil got arrested in real life after During the making, being yeah. arrested in the film, and, and, and the parents of Jonas, the same thing. So... So Jonas was exactly, Treasure was without her parents on those scenes when we are shooting her without her parents. She was actually without her parents. So there was lots of things all the time, kept things that kept happening that's reminding us we're not just making a film there. There's something bigger than that happening. Yeah. I want to ask how people have responded to the characters of Zane's parents um because the whole a lot of the some of the dramatic tension in the movie hinges on whether or not he can forgive them for this horrible thing that they've done that i won't spoil uh and it seems like he definitely does not both of the parents though get moments in the movie where they attempt to explain themselves and their place in the world and their feeling of crushing helplessness to the audience i'm wondering what you've heard from people who've seen the film now is there empathy for those people yeah a lot of people understand exactly what you just said a lot of people feel exactly what you just said that that they are because that was the intention the intention is never to judge them because it's impossible to judge it's never you know white or black and it's i was i found myself in this situation so many times because you know i was the first person to judge the whole time during the research right. process. I used to, you know, sometimes see kids in such a, a state of neglect. I was like, how can a mother do this? How can a mother be that, uh, do such, such so much harm? 
How right. can a mother sell her daughter who's 11 years old to a man? Because, But then when I sit with the mother and I start talking, you know, 15 minutes into the conversation, I just wake up and I just, how did I even allow myself to judge her? I've never mm. been in her situation. I've never been so marginalized, so poor, so hungry. I've never had to you know, leave my kids all alone in their house because I have not, no other choice. I've never had to sell my daughter because I need to feed the other kids or because I think maybe she's going to be better off somewhere else. So there's no, and I'm myself in that situation every single day. You hate and you love and you say, you judge and then you say, I can, I'm not allowed to judge because they are part of a, they are victims of a system that is not even allowing them to, to breathe. How can they give love? How can they, they're so crushed. They can't give mm -hmm. anything back. So, so there's no, there's no, there's no white or, or, or black uh, situation here. So, so most of the people have this kind of reaction. They don't know how to judge those parents. Right. They love them and they hate them. And they understand that this is exactly the situation that they need to be in. They cannot mm -hmm. have one, one kind of situation. And until now, I cannot, um, personally, I, if you ask me, I cannot say, I cannot give you a solution. I cannot say the parents are the, are the, are the, are to blame or the parents are the victims or it's, it's, it's all part of one vicious circle. That's not allowing anyone to, 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 to even breathe. Yeah. Um, I'll just wrap up Nadine by asking, uh, what do you, what are you working on next? Do you, do you have a sense of that? Do you, do you feel a need to kind of maybe unburden yourself of some of this uh, in your next project? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's it's difficult to let go of this project. Uh, I've been so attached to it, to it in a way, emotionally attached and involved. I have a hard time thinking that I'm not going to be watching Zane and Jonas and Rahil do, you know, amazing stuff because if you see the rushes, there's still treasures out there, in there. And, and I still find it very hard to let go and say, okay, nobody's going to ever see this. So I'm still right. trying to figure out a way to not bury this. I want this to be seen. I want mm -hmm. to share this because there's so many amazing moments in there. So it's difficult to say, okay, I'm done. The film is not done for me. I still have a lot mm -hmm. to do. And we're working on actually on a documentary about how this film was done and what's happening to each character in their real life and what's happening uh yeah what's the continuation and and then and then i don't know we will see and then on the ground we need to make things i mean we need to change things on the ground i didn't just make a film to make a film i just wanted to go beyond just the borders of being a film i wanted to it's turning into a conversation now and the conversation needs to be to turn into something really tangible and we need, really need to work on, on 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 children's you know on the laws on the and and we're organizing we're going to organize screenings for the government try to work with the government in a way to change things and we'll see and even if it's too naive and thinking that will ever change anything. I just want to try. 
That's all you can do, and that's you. Congrats on this film. It's a, a, clearly a massive labor of of time and effort and emotion. And uh, good to talk to you today. I appreciate it. Great to talk to you too. Thank you. Oh. I love this interview because it's different. Oh well, good. I'm so glad. Thanks, Nadine. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good luck with the Globes, and okay. have a great day. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. Hi, listeners, not letting you go just yet. If you like what you heard just there, please do uh, rate and subscribe uh, on the Playlist Podcast Network. Uh, Those ratings and subscription numbers mean a great deal to us, and I would really encourage you to check out uh, all the other wonderful shows on the network. Indie Beat, Over Under Movies Podcast, Adjust Your Tracking, uh, just dropped an awesome episode that I quite enjoyed about comparing Vox Lux to the 25th hour. And also my partner, Noah Ballard, and I just uh, last week put out our first show here on the playlist about the essential films of William Goldman, talking about Princess Bride, Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid, and all the president's men. You should be hearing our voices a lot more in the coming months, and we're very happy to be along for the ride. So rate, subscribe, and enjoy.